Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Getting Real with Patients During Clinical Decision-Making, The Value of Sharing Real-World Evidence About CDK4-6 Inhibitors for HR-Positive HER2-Negative Metastatic Breast Cancer. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Pfizer Incorporated. Hello, I'm Dr. Adam Brufsky. I am a professor of medicine at the University of Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and co-director of the Comprehensive Breast Cancer Center. Today, we'll be reviewing two case studies and discussing the importance of incorporating real-world evidence into first-line CDK4-6 inhibitor therapy for patients with advanced or metastatic hormone receptor-positive HER2-negative metastatic breast cancer. Let's start with the first patient case. Debbie is 70 years old. She's postmenopausal. Uh, she complains of back pain for three months. On clinical examination, uh, she has a large three-centimeter mass in her left breast. Her mammogram and ultrasound are consistent with this mass. As part of her workup, she has multiple areas of uptake on a bone scan, and a thoracic abdominal pelvic CT scan shows lytic lesions in multiple areas of the thoracic and lumbar spine. The biopsy of her breast confirms adenocarcinoma consistent with a breast primary. That's 90% estrogen receptor positive, 20% progesterone receptor positive, and HER2-1+. She's had no prior systemic anti-cancer therapy, and her ECOG performance status is 1. Next, let's review what real-world evidence is and how real-world evidence may complement findings from clinical trials. Real-world evidence is clinical evidence on a medical product's safety and efficacy that's generated using real-world data resulting from routine healthcare delivery. And the sources of real-world data include things like electronic health records, registries, claims, billing data, patient-generated outcome data, as well as those from mobile health applications and wearable devices. The study designs we generally use are both prospective and retrospective. They're generally cohort studies, case control studies, or pragmatic clinical trials. There's potential strengths and limitations of real-world evidence. It's really important to understand that real-world evidence complements a randomized clinical trial. Randomized clinical trials are really the gold standard. They tell us if a drug does work. Real-world evidence says, does the drug work in a larger real-world population? It really provides information on patient populations that are not represented on clinical trials. The sample sizes are usually large, where in a randomized clinical trial, you have a very specific very well-defined population with specific eligibility criteria with limited sample sizes. And real-world evidence, because of large sample sizes, can un uncover toxicity uh, that may require longer-term follow-up. In, in randomized clinical trials, generally we just see acute and common toxicities. And real-world evidence generally, in general, there are exceptions though, are typically not suitable for new drug approvals. They're more suitable really for post-marketing surveillance and letting us know whether a drug will work potentially, or is it useful in the real world, as opposed to a randomized clinical trial, which really is designed in many cases in consultation with the Food and Drug Administration. And for that reason, they really consider the gold standards for new drug approvals. The insights provided by real-world evidence, though, can really be applied across the entire drug development spectrum. Um, Real-world data can really tell us about a disease. You know, what's the unmet burden? What's the unmet disease burden? Um, it can inform clinical trial designs. It can tell us, 
you know, whether a drug may or may not be efficacious in a target population. It can understand, help us understand the standard of care. Uh, once a drug's approved, though, I think then we have these head-to-head -head comparative effectiveness trials. You know, for example, I mean, one thing that we're going to show you fairly soon uh, is the use of CDK4-6 inhibitors versus and an aromatase inhibitor versus an aromatase inhibitor alone. Um, how people adhere to these drugs is very important that can be found from real-world evidence. Are the real-world interventions cost-effective? We can also look at utilization and prescribing patterns. And as a drug matures kind of in its development and in its use, we can see long-term clinical outcomes, efficacy in underrepresented subpopulations, and differentiation at some point between generic and non-generic competitors. So it's really interesting. We've done some polling of community oncologists. And as you can see here, most agree, about 76% agree, that real-world evidence is necessary. Um, but the vast majority, or 69%, don't use it. Most people use NCCN guidelines for treatment recommendations, and this is reasonable because that's kind of how we get things paid for nowadays. But only 8% use real-world evidence to guide treatment decisions. Now let's discuss treatment considerations for Debbie. So now let's go back to Debbie, our patient who's 70 years old, postmenopausal, who has metastatic breast cancer to bone. Let's discuss treatment selection considerations for Debbie. For this patient, I would choose a CDK4-6 inhibitor plus endocrine therapy because data from randomized clinical trials support their use. However, real-world evidence helps me by providing information on patient populations that were not included in the clinical trials. Next, let's review the real-world efficacy of CDK4-6 inhibitors and why it is relevant for treatment decision-making in our clinical practices. Three CDK4-6 inhibitors have shown benefits in randomized clinical trials. These are randomized controlled data on the efficacy of CDK4-6 inhibitors in patients with hormone receptor positive for two-negative metastatic breast cancer. And really what's striking about these data is that CDK4-6 inhibitors, regardless of piplocyclib, ribocyclib, or abemocyclib, all roughly double the progression-free survival, regardless of whether it's first-line or second-line therapy. The only difference really between the uh, CDK4-6 inhibitors has to do with survival. Uh, the survival uh, with palpocyclib seems to be roughly equivalent to endocrine therapy, but appears to be a little bit greater uh, by about a year uh, with ribocyclib and abemocyclib. As you can see here, this is the P-Reality-X study. This actually was data that was obtained from the Flatiron database, which contains 3 million patients uh, who have been studied in the United States over a period of the last 10 years. In this trial, 2,888 women were studied. They had two groups. One group uh, had letrozole alone, and one group had letrozole and uh, palbociclib. And as you can see here, the median overall survival of the patients with palbociclib and the aromatase inhibitor was 49.1 months versus 43.2 months uh, with the aromatase inhibitor alone, which was statistically significant. When we adjusted for confounders, that is with a, with a, uh, a test called uh, inverse probability tr treatment weighting, you can see that survival benefit was still maintained. And so therefore, it's interesting that in the real-world evidence, we do see a survival benefit of palbociclib, but in the randomized trial, we don't. And there may be a lot of reasons for that, the fact that it's being studied in a large group of patients, that maybe perhaps we're giving the palbociclib for longer periods of time and not stopping it, as we would do in potentially a clinical trial, and there are potentially multiple other reasons why the real-world data may be uh, indicative of a survival advantage 
where the randomized data does not indicate a survival advantage in the first line for a palbociclib. Now, ribociclib has data, but at this point, only data uh, for progression-free survival. But when ribociclib is compared to chemotherapy, you can see here there's a substantial progression-free survival benefit, and this has actually been further analyzed in a randomized trial called Right Choice, which shows real, really the same thing as real-world data did show. And actually, in this trial, if you look at the right-hand panel, ribociclib and fulvestrin uh, is, is uh, substantially better uh, than fulvestrin alone, as you can see in the uh, uh, right-hand panel as well. Finally, we don't have comparative data with abemocyclib, but you can see here the real-world progression-free survival in this particular analysis was not reached uh, at 15 months. Next, let's discuss some of the safety concerns that may be associated with CDK4-6 inhibitor plus endocrine therapy use. So now let's go back to Debbie, our patient who's 70 years old, postmenopausal, who has metastatic breast cancer to bone. Let's discuss treatment selection considerations for Debbie. Here are the five most frequently reported adverse events from palpocyclib, ribocyclib, and abemocyclib in the randomized clinical trials of these three agents. As you can see here, both in palpocyclib and ribocyclib, neutropenia and leukopenia tend to be the most frequent. Uh, there is some diarrhea with ribocyclib, but with abemocyclib, it's a little bit different, diarrhea being the most uh, frequently reported adverse event. When we look at real-world safety uh, studies of palpocyclib, this is a literature analysis of real-world safety studies of CDK4-6 inhibitors, in particular palpocyclib, uh, in patients with hormone receptor positive HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer. And as you can see here, the most common reported adverse events in these real-world studies are nausea, diarrhea, and neutropenia. With ribocyclib, the Robana uh, analysis was a real-world non-interventional study evaluating ribocyclib plus either an aromatase inhibitor or fulvestrin in patients with hormone receptor positive HER2 negative locally advanced or metastatic breast cancer. There were approximately 2,500 patients in this analysis. And what you can see here is the most common adverse events tend to be neutropenia, nausea, fatigue, and leukopenia. Finally, there's a real-world retrospective observational study, a smaller study of 118 patients uh, with hormone receptor positive HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer receiving abemocyclib, either alone or in combination with endocrine therapy. And in this, you can see the most common adverse event is diarrhea, with neutropenia of any grade being second, grade three to four being third, elevated liver enzymes also being third, and venous thromboembolism uh, at 3.4% being a little bit more frequent uh, than the other two CDK4-6 inhibitors. Now, let's discuss a new patient case. So let's talk about Ava. Ava is 61 years old. She's a postmenopausal African-American woman who has de novo metastatic breast cancer to the bone. She has a bone biopsy that shows adenocarcinoma consistent with breast uh, primary, a mammogram, which is four centimeters uh, mass in the left breast confirmed by ultrasound, and a breast biopsy that shows an S-receptor positive, HER2 negative breast cancer. She's had no prior systemic anti-cancer therapy, and her ECOG performance status is two. We'll come back to this patient's story in a bit, but let's first review how real-world evidence can help us make treatment decisions about patients who are underrepresented in clinical trials. 
This shows you data from randomized controlled trials versus real-world evidence uh, based on race uh, in studies of CDK4-6 inhibitors. You can see here in trial, the randomized trials of palbociclib and ribociclib, the incidence of black patients are about 1.6% in Paloma 2 and 3% in Motilisa 2. Whereas we look at the several real-world analyses, both from uh, P-Reality and P-Reality-X, the incidence of black patients in these analyses are 7.4% and 8.8%. With a bemocyclib in that small randomized uh, or that small real-world evidence uh, analysis, the incidence of black patients was 9.3%. When we look at ECOG performance status in these patients, again, because randomized clinical trials require patients with a very good performance status, if we focus on the number of patients or the percentage of patients with the ECOG performance status of two or worse, in Paloma 2, it was 2%. In Monarch 2, it was less than 1%. However, when we look at the real-world evidence analyses, in P-Reality, it's approximately 9.6% with a performance status less than 2. In P-Reality X, it's 14.6%. Uh, in Rabana with ribocyclib, the incidence of performance status of 1 or worse is approximately 49%. And with abemocyclib uh, in the real-world analysis, the percentage of patients with a performance status of 2 or worse is 11.9%. To summarize these data, Real-world evidence can be used to demonstrate treatment benefit in patient populations that may be underrepresented in randomized clinical trials. This includes men, older patients, younger or premenopausal patients, minority and underserved patients, and patients with rare breast cancer subtypes, such as inflammatory or metaplastic disease. Next, let's discuss patient preferences and concerns when using frontline CDK4-6 inhibitors. Next, let's review what we know about patient preferences when selecting CDK4-6 inhibitors and how these drugs may impact quality of life based on the real-world evidence that we have. This is a really interesting analysis uh, that was published several years ago showing oncologist and patient preferences for the attributes of a CDK4-6 inhibitor regimen. And what's really interesting is that the risk of heart dysfunction appears to be the most frequent, um, both for patients and oncologists. Others include lower risk of grade 3 to 4 neutropenia, lower risk of diarrhea, um, the, the efficacy of the real-world evidence, data that's available, um, published patient-reported benefits seem to be important, and real-world toxicity. Uh, data are, seem to be very important both to patients and oncologists. But it's interesting that oncologists place greater importance on the risk of dose reduction due to adverse events and the need for EKG monitoring, where patients placed greater importance on the risk of grade 3 or 4 neutropenia. We have several trials, actually, that look at health-related quality of life based on real-world evidence. Polaris was a prospective observational multicenter study of about probably 1,500 women studied in Canada and the United States. And the important uh, aspect to glean uh, from this table is a quality of life really did not change. In fact, there was not really a quality of life detriment in patients receiving CDK4-6 inhibitors, both in the first and the second line. When we discuss real-world evidence with patients, 
I think it's really important to do this in a way that it enhances patient understanding and trust. I think we need to empower the patient as a partner in decision-making, openly discuss and address the limitations of real-world evidence, clearly identify some of the potential real applications of real-world evidence, in particular, the fact that it can really study subpopulations that are not in the potential randomized clinical trials, and really work with patient organizations to help interpret and disseminate real-world evidence among the patients affected with metastatic breast cancer. So to conclude, real-world evidence supports the use of CDK4-6 inhibitors as first-line therapy for hormone receptor positive HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer. Real-world evidence can demonstrate benefits of frontline CDK4-6 inhibitors in patient populations that are underrepresented in clinical trials. And finally, real-world evidence should be utilized during conversations with patients to address their concerns and to facilitate informed decision-making. Thank you all for listening, and I hope this has been very informative and useful for your clinical practice. Thank you again. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.